This episode of Liberty Lighthouse originally aired as National Intel Report on Republic Broadcasting Network Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. No phone calls are being taken at this time. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading There's an unspoken fear We're on our way down We must eat America back Good evening, Patriot Fan Freedom Fighters Broadcast my home studio in downtown Belfont, Pennsylvania Worldwide, as National Intel Report on Republic Broadcasting and uh, Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo Five O Radio, Patriot Nation Radio Network, and all the podcast platform platforms, and anywhere else you happen to find me. I'm Peter Serfi, your host for this two hours of common sense and constitutional discussion. I uh, I've been busy. Um, so I wasn't here last week. Y'all know that I went. My beautiful wife and I went to a concert, so we were away. Steve. Filled in Steve O'Brien from here from uh, RBN filled in. And from what I understand, he did a great job. I got an email from, from a listener that said he did a great job filling in. I got an email from, from the guest that I had lined up for him said that he did a great job. So good job. And thank you, Steve O'Brien. But the last time I was here two weeks ago, I announced that I was launching the Liberty lighthouse classroom in order to, uh, well, start doing some education stuff. And I said at that time that these classes, I'd, I'd be lucky, I, you know, I'm going to shoot, I'm going to try to put up one lesson, not a whole class, one lesson a week. And the first class I was putting up was four lessons long. Well, in the two weeks since I last spoke to you, I have put up two entire courses. The Truth About America's Founding, how American heritage and biblical heritage go hand in hand. They're inextricably linked, and you can't pull them apart. That's what it inextricable means. And, uh, you know, we really were founded as a Christian nation, and the Supreme Court even said so, and that's all covered in the class, of course. The second one I put up was the, the duty of a jury, and it goes over the power and the duty of the civil jury, the courtroom jury, the grand jury, or the pettit jury the small you know what y'all know is a jury the pettit jury it goes over the power of that so those two classes are done and posted at liberty-lighthouse.com slash classroom one of them is four lessons long each lesson is about 90 minutes so the truth of america's founding the biblical heritage your heritage and mine that is four lessons long, roughly 90 minutes, so roughly six hours. I decided when I started doing this, I'm going to charge $2.50 a lesson, so that class is $10. But if you use code LIGHTHOUSE between now and September 17th, you can get that for half off, so it would be a $5 course. The second course that is up and ready to go is the... The duty of a jury, it is six lessons long, 90 minutes a lesson. So that's roughly nine hours worth of coursework. That one is $15. And again, 
code lighthouse 50% off until September 17th. So that's two classes, roughly 15 hours of course material that is up there ready to go. The next one I'm working on, this next class I started working on, well, I was going to do the, the sheriff and the citizen class from Institute on the Constitution, but um, it's a little dated. So I've actually started writing a new one, and I hopefully the Institute on Constitution will like it, and they'll take it, and they'll use it, but if not, I'm going to use it, and it'll just be my class. But it is about the constitutional role of your county sheriff. And how important it is that your county sheriff understands the Constitution because they're one of our last lines of defense. Now, I want to backtrack. That's what I've been doing for the last two weeks. But I, I also started making sure that I put up a blog post or a, a new article at least once a week. And I've been doing that for, I don't know, five or six weeks now. I've been doing pretty good. They're, they're posting at Fridays at 6 a.m. And tomorrow, if my phone will catch up because I'm looking on my phone, because I don't remember which post is going up when. Um, right now, we've been upholding the Second Amendment was the last one that went up. It was, uh, well, it's an article proving that almost every gun law in the world, or in our country, is unconstitutional. The power of a jury goes up Tomorrow, next week, compelling state interest. The following week, the Administrative Procedures Act. So I got I got a, a new article getting posted every week. I got new classes going up in the Liberty Lighthouse classroom as fast as I can produce them. And I'm doing all of this while I have a brand new book coming out on September 17th, Constitution Day, and trying to sell those to so there's, I've got a lot going on, and I hope you realize, you out there listening, I hope you realize that I do all of this because I love this nation, and I love our Constitution, and I have come to the conclusion over the last few years, there are, well, three of our best tools if we're going to regain our republic, regain federalism, and regain our country the way we want it to be are going to be the, the juries, the sheriffs, and educating the populace. So I'm doing my best to help with all of those things as much as I possibly can. I didn't start. This is a live call-in show. Feel free to call in. The phone line is open. It's 512-248-8252. 512-248-8252. And you know, if you want to say something, if you're listening on the radio and you, you have a comment but you don't want your voice on the on the airwaves, if, if you just want to say something, you can text me. I have a, a text line that I've had set up for a long time. I don't know why I've never really pushed it or shared it to you, but the text line is 646-MY-RIGHTS. I'm sorry, 64-MY-RIGHTS. 64-MY-RIGHTS, which is 646 nine seven four 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 eight seven sixty four my rights you can feel free to text even during the show or after the show or whenever and i will get them <sighs> so in all of my pushing i started 
I started getting involved in politics roughly five years ago. Then, you know, four years ago, I started doing a podcast. And then three years ago, the podcast started getting picked up by internet radio networks. And in that time, if you've listened to me for any length of time, or if you've even read any of my earlier books, you might have noticed that my perspective has changed a little. I went from kind of conservative, but vaguely in the conservative camp, to downright constitutional originalist. And I don't know how exactly that happened, but the more I read our Constitution, the more I study our Constitution, the more I talk to you about our Constitution, the more I realize that it really is the, the answer to all of the problems of our nation. And we got somebody, is this guy a traitor Trump supporter? Uh, whoever you are over there in the Twitch chat room, I like some of the things Trump did. I didn't like other things Trump did. I wouldn't call myself a Trump supporter by any stretch. I'm a constitutional originalist. And that's how that works, too. If you're watching the video anywhere, you can type comments on the video, and they'll pop up on my screen here, and I might might mention them on air. So, in this five-year journey that I've been on. I've come to believe that the Constitution is our answer to almost every problem out there. Government overreach? Read the Constitution. Tyrannical idiots anywhere in government? Read the Constitution. Should the government do X, Y, or Z? Read the Constitution. It's all there. The answer to almost everything wrong with our government today 240, was it 244 years later? It's still in the Constitution. The problems, most of the problems, have come around because of judicial interpretations of what's in the Constitution. Lawyers got involved. Lawyers and judges got involved. That no, that mucks up just about everything in the world, doesn't it? Lawyers and judges will muck up just about everything. Hey, I forgot to mention, we got two guests going to be joining us tonight. Here in, the, I don't know, about 20 minutes, the bottom of this first hour, Brent Hamachek from BrentHamachek.com, CommonGroundCampus.com, and uh, HumanEvents.com will be joining us right around 6.28 p.m. Eastern here on August 3rd, if you're listening live on Republic Broadcasting Network. And then at the top of the second hour, Dave Summerall from StopHate.com, the Justice for J6 Prisoner Advocate, will be joining us. I got an interesting thing to talk to Brent about when he comes. I've got a new perspective of the left-right paradigm, and I'm anxious to bounce off uh, Brent bounce off Brent Hamachek. He's had some his own interpretations of it, so I'm kind of anxious to tell him what I think of the new one that I found. 
So in this five-year journey where I have become more of a constitutionalist than anything else, I really think that there are, well, there's generally three things that we can do to save our country, save the republic. Education is one of them, and that's education of the populace, the people at large. That's our children, that's the adults, that's everybody. When was the last time most people read the Constitution? They, they want to vote, and they want to go out there, and they want to be politically active, and they want to you know, cheerlead for whatever group that they're a part of. But have they even read the Constitution to see whether or not whatever that group is fits in anywhere in the federal constitution or should it be a state issue chances are they have it and i'm going to take that a step further to my second thing i i have long said that your locally elected county sheriff is the most important elected job in our nation i believe that now more than ever and that's why that's one of the next courses I'm working on for the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom is a course designed for law enforcement, specifically sheriffs. And it goes over their oath of office and adherence to the Constitution and all of those things. The county sheriff has been declared the chief law enforcement officer of their county. Which means, well... The federal government kind of needs their permission to operate within the county. And that county sheriff, that elected county sheriff who swore that oath, if he understands his oath, if he understands the Constitution, he knows what pretended legislation is and won't enforce it nor allow anyone else to enforce it in his county. The new one that I have, the new tool in the toolbox, that I never realized just how powerful it was, is the, well, it's, it's the jury. There's a lot more power in the jury than most people think. But as I said, it is a call-in show. 512-248-8252. So let's take our first call, Sarah in Oregon. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, and happy three years of Liberty Lighthouse. <laughs> it's actually four years of Liberty Lighthouse. Three years ago was the first time it aired on Mojo 5 Radio. Yeah, it's now your fourth year. And, it's, mm-hmm. and, we, and, we, still, and we still are keeping it real. <laughs> well, Sarah, I know you've been, you've been listening for like all of those three years, and I greatly appreciate that. Thank you very much. Since the beginning. So, so share the show out and keep on tracking. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much, Sarah. Sarah always comes on and wants to remind everybody out there the best thing that you can do for for we conservative creators we conservative commentators the best thing you can do for us is to share out our show whether it's audio or video share it out on your social networks send it as a text message to your friends and family help us get around 
those those uh, computer algorithms that don't like the the right side of the political aisle, so to speak. Going back to the phones with Patrick in Texas on line one. Welcome to the show, Patrick. Hello, Peter. Yeah, I'm following what you're saying. The, the Constitution. You talk about the grand jury, petite jury. Um, that comes all. You know, the, the, uh, the grand jury is a tradition coming from the Magna Carta and uh, twelve fifteen. Uh, and it was, it was a common thing, like to the king or whatever. He would he would lock people in prison, you know, and then keep them there until they changed their mind. And uh, and uh, you know that's where we got you know a habeas corpus, bring the body forward. But uh, uh, the grand jury was something for the people, and uh, that uh, was a very useful tool up until the point where the uh, the, uh, the the uh, the machine, which is the uh, the next American bar. Is a branch of the Lawyers Guild Communist Party. Um, that's a fact. That's from Judge Dale's book, um, and so it is very corrupt. It's, uh, it's coming from the bar, or the Rothschild Bar, City of London, and uh, but uh, they uh, they couldn't they couldn't stand this this uh, unbridled uh, grand jury running around with no restraints. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They uh, you know now we did successfully up after the Civil War. You know, we uh, we managed to get rid of all the uh, the Lehman Brothers and the Baruchs and the, the emissaries of the uh, Rothschilds who were pilfering. You know, all the people who couldn't make their payments anymore didn't care if you know they if the uh, if the old man's dead. The only you know we won't kick the widow and the children out and take the property. But uh, it was the grand jury, which was the uh, the, the twenty five of local people that rooted them all out little bit by little bit. Dad and the uh, the clan. Uh, which was the, the, the Confederate Army by another name, but uh, but they were complete, com- you know they, they got back uh, got organized back up and regroup, and uh, they took control with the prosecutor. The prosecutor took control of the grand jury, and they use it for their own means. And uh, they, so we formed the Common Law Grand Jury, uh, which Roger O'Dell in Florida has got that organization down there. He can't get in the power, and uh, Michael Gettys pointed out. That uh, you know, there, there's no there's no enforcement. Well, yeah, they they won't give us no money. They defunded us, uh, and they you know, they basically banished us, and because uh, they are actually a corporation, and uh, they're working under corporate law now, and uh, we call ourselves a common law grand jury. But right, we, uh, Patrick, hold on for a second. You're right that it used to be the juries would call themselves in the case of like a common law grand jury. But what a lot of people don't realize and judges and lawyers won't tell John Q public anymore is even the grand jury that is convened by the district attorney, they can investigate any bloody thing they want, but nobody tells them that. See, they get called in for this grand jury and they're told, well, the prosecutor is going to present, you know, a few cases to you, and you can decide whether or not there's enough evidence to proceed. They aren't limited to that, though. But nobody tells them that. You get called into a, a grand jury, and you get selected, and you get impaneled. Once you're impaneled, you can ask for anything. If you want to investigate your local government bookkeeping, you, There's can, the rug. you can subpoena you got it. it. If you want to matter who's controlling it. Governor, you can do it. You can investigate anything you want on a grand jury, but nobody tells them that anymore. 
the legal system, the Bar Association, as you put it, has gone from, you know, back in the day, even the pettit jury, the, you know, the small trial juries, back in the day, they used to be instructed that they were to, to judge both the law and the facts. And then eventually, somewhere along the way, somebody decided, well, that's true, but we don't necessarily have to tell them that anymore. And then it went from, okay, well, now, not only do you not have to tell them, we didn't tell them that they can do that. And now there are judges and lawyers out there that think that just because a law is on the books, that you as a jury person have to obey it and have to uphold it as it is, which is not true. Thomas Jefferson considered the jury to be almost a fourth branch of government, completely separate of the other three, accountable to no one but their community as the final arbiter and the final check against tyranny. You're right. As if they, uh, they, there's jury tampering is what they're doing. They're, 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 they're uh, isolating evidence. They're allowing this, allowing that, contempt of court. They, um, and the uh, judge intimidates the hell out of the poor juries. And they just sit there looking at a deer in the headlight with no one to stand what's going on. And right. they get railroaded. Which all goes back to education. John Q. Public doesn't know the power that they have if they get called to jury duty. They don't understand that they are that last check against tyranny, that they can refuse to, to convict somebody or to even acquit somebody if the law itself is unjust. It's one of the final checks designed into our system, but it's not taught anymore. The judge doesn't instruct it anymore. The lawyers don't say it anymore. But this is all stuff that you can learn in my brand new duty of a jury course at in the Liberty Lighthouse classroom. Liberty-lighthouse.com slash classroom. Yep. It's, uh, you know, they, they, they're, they're, it's called Red Beckman done a whole series on that. The, uh, you know, it's called jury nullification. And you're right. You're right. They, and they don't, they don't the want you to know that. There's a difference. There's jury independence, which is what it's supposed to be, and then there's jury nullification. And I view the two differently. I view them as jury nullification is somebody on the jury or even the entire jury. They're going by their own personal conscience because something within them doesn't agree with the situation. I view jury independence as a juror or jury who has standing up against a, an unjust law being independent of government, and judging the the law as well as the facts. That's, yep, that's all I got. I'll, I'll let you go, Peter. Thank you. Thank, well, thank you very much, Patrick. Greatly appreciate your phone call, as always. Uh, let's see here. we got got uh, you know, two minutes before the break. Um, let's see what I see. Got the new classes going, got the books. Oh, I haven't told you. The, the sponsor of this first segment was My Pillow. A little late to be telling you that now that there's only two minutes left. But MyPillow.com, use the code Lighthouse at MyPillow.com and get uh, you know up to 66% off. New trick, go there at MyPillow.com and click the clearance area where you get stuff that's already ridiculously cheap. And then use the code Lighthouse and get even cheaper. Um, I have, I've been using MyPillow pillows for years. They're, they're my Giza dream sheets are the best quality sheets I've ever personally owned. And uh, the towels are awesome. 
I never bought the slippers, but I, I'm told by many people the slippers are fabulous. I My feet stink too much. I don't want to put them in shoes without socks, and that's what I do with slippers. I don't want to ruin a good pair of slippers, so I just buy cheap ones that I can throw away when they start to smell. Uh, anyway, uh, Brent Hamachak is going to be here. And once we come back from the commercial break, as promised, got a great, I got an interesting conversation to have with him about my version of the left-right paradigm. I want to see how it jives in with his version of the left-right paradigm that we've already talked about in the past. And don't forget, you can now text the show if you don't want to be on air. 64 My Rights is the number to do that. 64 My Rights. Be back in three minutes, my friends. Attention, freedom-loving patriots. Are you ready to dive deep into the principles that founded our great nation? Join me, Peter Serafine, and the Institute on the Constitution as we light the way to a brighter future with the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom. At liberty-lighthouse.com classroom, you'll find a treasure trove of online courses on the U.S. Constitution, carefully crafted to empower you with knowledge to defend your rights and liberty, whether you're a student, a history enthusiast, or just a concerned citizen. These courses are for you. Gain a comprehensive understanding of our Constitution's principles, the wisdom of our Founding Fathers, and how to apply them in today's world. As a special offer to our freedom-loving listeners of Republic Broadcasting Network, use coupon code RBN at checkout and get 20% discount on any course. Join the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom and be a part of the movement to uphold the values that have made our nation exceptional. Unleash the power of knowledge and protect what truly matters, our Constitution. Visit liberty-lighthouse.com classroom today. Don't miss this incredible opportunity. Use code RBN for 20% off. Together, we'll be the beacon of freedom our founding generation envisioned. Liberty Lighthouse Classroom. Illuminating minds, empowering patriots. This episode of Liberty Lighthouse originally aired as National Intel Report on Republic Broadcasting Network Thursday, August 3rd. 2023. No phone calls are being taken at this time. Welcome back. I'm Peter Smith. Please remember that free speech is not free and support this free speech network, whatever network it is, buy their merchandise, use their promo codes, share their content whenever and wherever you can. And as I promised, we got Brent Hemachek from BrentHamachek.com, HumanEvents.com, and CommonGroundCampus.com coming your way. Where do you go when you want the truth about current human events? You go to Brent Hamachek over at HumanEvents.com, BrentHamachek.com, and over on Common Ground Campus. And now, welcome into studio, Brent Hamachek. Welcome to the show, Brent. Good to be back. Uh, it must be another month has gone by in my life. Here I am. Another month. That's right. For those of you that might be listening for the first time, Brent Hemachak is one of my regular monthly guests. He comes in the first Thursday of every month, and uh, apparently he uses that to mark time somehow. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'm living geologically, you see. So uh, one month is one day. 
whatever. So, well, I, I, before we get to the left-right paradigm thing, we've got a caller on hold, so we should probably deal with her. Laura in Michigan. Wow, Laura in Michigan. Welcome to the show, Laura. Laura. Well, maybe. Oh, thanks, Mike. So we, we lost Laura. So let's go back to what we were. What, what I was just saying. So you have this whole idea. You know, there's so many different versions of the left-right paradigm out there. There's there's the circular one where if you go too far right, right. you get up on the left and too right. far left. Silly. Yeah. And 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 to say that there's you know extreme right or extreme left, well that defines like an endpoint, so that that ruins the circular idea. But then again, then you've got you know they, they claim. Um, you know, the, the fascist and the Nazis, well, they're far right, but the communists and the socialists are far left, even though their ideologies are so similar, it's ridiculous. So that throws it up. You've got the team right and team left out idea. Right. The most recent. Correct. Yes. I shouldn't say right. right. <laughs> yeah, correct. That could get confusing in this conversation. The most recent one I yes, can. that I really enjoy and like and think it makes the most sense and i kind of wish i would have grabbed a picture to share here but it's just a line graph a simple line with you know notches on it and and it's it's government control on the far left mm -hmm. of the graph is 100 percent complete government control so you're, you're we're talking like absolute dictatorship and then right mm -hmm. next to that would be like you know oligarchies and communism where they control almost everything and then to to the right of that would be socialists and you know, so on down the line. And then on the far right-hand side is zero government, like complete and utter anarchy, no government whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So when you take somebody like me, who's a constitutional originalist, I believe that government, you know, we're, we're, we should be governed by laws that are written and constant. Well, that would be mm -hmm. somewhere in the middle of that spectrum, maybe a little leaning to the right side of the spectrum, but, you know, closer to the middle than any of the other things that we've mentioned thus far. Right. So we've talked about the team structure um, that I've developed on your show before, yes. uh, which is how things function. But we, what we've never talked about is in the same work that I published, I created a political continuum to show where a society might be at any one moment. Because so you have the team structures and that's how it operates internally. That's what's going on. That's how you can predict things that are going to happen, and you can understand dynamics. But then in terms of a continuum of where you are, I propose to you the following model, which is, again, in the, in the same work you've been good enough to reference so many times on your show. So what I have on mine is if you were looking at it on a piece of paper at the very far left, you'd have what, what Hobbes originally described to us as this state of nature before the social contract. And then you have the social contract where man agrees to give up his pure individual autonomy and enter into civilized society and submit to some form of government. So as soon as you enter that social contract place, on that furthest left side is what we would call a John Locke type world where we have extraordinarily limited government. It operates in accordance with natural law where government's only role is to protect life, liberty, and property. Any laws that fall outside of that are unjust laws and are uh, in, in contradiction to natural law. Then what happens 
on my continuum is that as you move along that continuum to the right, you are moving into higher levels of government control. You are trading individual liberty for some sort of collective oversight. And you move along that path in a linear fashion, right? Gradual surrender of liberty, gradual increase of collective um, oversight. But then what happens? What I contend on my continuum is that you hit an inflection point where you start to surrender individual liberty to government control at an increasing rate. So it starts to go away faster. And then at the end, it my, my continuum plumes, and it plumes into all the various forms of totalitarianism that we see. And that is whether it's under a caliphate or whether it's under a fascist regi- regime or under any other form of despotic rule where individual liberty has been completely surrendered and is now is controlled by the hands of one or a few. Now, on that on that plume, I have what I call imposed communism, because we've never had a communist country ever in human history. The truth is we never will. We can't get there. Marx had man's nature wrong, so we can't get to this utopic place with no private property and no government, by the way. Uh, by definition, you can't have a communist country with government. So, uh, but we do have what I call imposed communism, which is the notion of what we saw in Eastern Europe, in Cuba, Vietnam, and elsewhere. So the big thing is, when I show this continuum to an audience, when I lecture, I always ask them, where do you think we are on this continuum? And everyone always says, we're on that upward slope. Right. So we're we're on the the path where the inflection point has been crossed and we are now surrendering uh, liberty at an increasing rate. So the diagram you're showing now on your screen to the audience that's able to see, I would argue is is backwards because well, I, I guess it's not backwards if um, it was done originally in Hebrew where you would read from right to left. But for a, for a typical for a n- typical non-Hebrew language person, it's backwards. So we start from the premise of limited government, and then we increasingly move along the path. And you think of it as a trade-off. The question always is that we should ask ourselves on every issue. This is a very simple way to frame a debate. And that is, how much individual liberty am I willing to surrender in order to solve the problem that's in front of me. Mm -hmm. Because anytime legislature does something that involves a new law, again, by definition, some amount of individual liberty is going to be surrendered, right? That's what laws do. And that's okay. We need law, right? That's why we have a social contract. But the question we should always ask is how much individual liberty am I willing to surrender to solve this particular problem? Well, the, the graph that I was just showing was one that I found that was was the uh, well the, the visualization of what I had explained. No government, mm-hmm. right? And, you yep. know. Um, but you're right. There is an inflection point. There is 
um, what do they call it? In marketing, there's there's a there's the two percent magic rule. If you're out there selling a product, any product, once it reaches market penetration of approximately two percent of the population, is when it takes off. It might take. 15, 20, 30 years for you to sell your widget and get 2% of the people to, to, you know, buy into it. But once you get to that 2%, that's when you, you better, you know, buckle up because your sales are going to skyrocket. Don't know why 2%, but that's just how it usually works. Well, Malcolm Gladwell, the, the greatest skeptic of the 20th century, gave us the term for that that's now commonly used in business, which wasn't a business term previously, and that is finding the tipping point. Right. And that's a term that comes from, from the medical world, and it comes from the idea of, of epidemics. And once a disease hits a particular point where it starts to spread at a certain elevated rate, they say that it was the tipping point. And Gladwell, in his famous book from the early part of this century, turned that into social phenomena, including marketing. He famously used the, the, uh, the uh, description of the revival Bible of the Hush Puppies brand uh, and how that suddenly took off and they became uh, so popular again nationwide after being almost dormant uh, after catching on of all places in Greenwich Village. And, um, and from there, it became a national phenomenon. So, yes. Um, and so I argue, my audience always seems to agree that we've passed the tipping point now on our path to totalitarianism. Uh, proven, by the way, this week, I think, in the news, by three different things, two of which have happened and one of which could. Uh, one is the one that everybody's talking about today on Thursday as we record our show here, and that is the, um, the arrest now uh, of, of Donald Trump for... I don't know what you call this. I mean, there's there's clearly no crimes here. These are these are invented, trumped up, if you will, uh, charges. This is probably, you know, we used to think that what had happened to the regular January sixth defendants was the closest thing we'd ever seen to the Soviet Union in the 1930s. But this, of course, is bigger, and yeah. it's it's not. It's not bigger because Trump is more important than somebody locked in the D.C. jail right now without a trial date. It's not because he's more important. He's just another human being. It is because on the scale in which it's been done. And we've never in our history seen anything like this. There's nothing to compare it to. And one always has to be concerned when something is seen in a nation that's never been seen before. The second event which has happened is here in the people's Republic of Illinois, where I live, our, uh, our never uh, satiated governor Pritzker, neither for food nor legislation has signed into law, the ability to make illegal aliens, police officers in this state. I just heard that. So this is, this is extraordinary. And let's think about this. People who came into this country knowingly, willfully, flagrantly violating the law can now be handed a gun and a badge and the authority to arrest legal citizens. We've never seen anything like this either. 
And and if anybody likes to talk about the World Economic Forum and all of its machinations, this is something that you can really trace to the World Economic Forum. How? Well, the goal of the World Economic Forum is to basically turn us into a borderless planet, right? Mm-hmm. So this is, it, it's sort of Orwell uh, revisited in a different format. And, and certainly the existence of the nation state that's sovereign is a problem for the World Economic Forum because they would like very much to govern us, certainly how to tell people to govern us who are in charge of regions, Orwell's regions. Here we sit in, what, Oceania. Mm-hmm. And so, so what better way to do to make a nation state disappear than have people who enter it illegally, who aren't part of that nation, have legal authority over people who are there legally as part of the nation. Well, not to mention that if you're a, a government employee, you swear that oath. Like, even as a mailman, I had to swear that oath. As a constable, yeah. I swore that oath. As, you know, cops and sheriffs and all law enforcement swear the oath to uphold and defend the Constitution. Right. Now, I am, and, and, I'm, I'm pretty I'm sure there are probably illegal immigrants out there that know the Constitution better than most citizens. But that is beside the point. How can you uphold it if you are not a citizen? Right. And it's also not saying much, of course. Uh, the third thing that hasn't happened yet, uh, and that is the now floating around everywhere sort of rumor uh, that the Biden administration is looking at declaring a climate emergency. Mm-hmm. I look um I'm kind of laid back and relaxed and analytical about most things. And uh, I don't get real passionate or emotional. I will tell your audience that I am literally frightened at the idea that this happens. Because if this happens, it means that the remaining, I don't know, I'm 61 years old. Let's say I got 20 years left or so, whatever it might be. Uh, I understand full well that if this happens... The remaining years of my life are ruined. They're done. Because this will be something that we will live with permanently. I mean, look, the planet's warming because every several hundred years or so, it warms. We've had three of these in the last 3,000 plus years. We're having another one. There's nothing we can do to stop this. There isn't. So when would the climate emergency end? Well, I'll answer my own question. But what will be done if this takes place in terms of imposing authoritarian, totalitarian rules and restrictions on our behavior cannot be overstated. This is terrifying. This is not one of those things you can work through or live through or wait out. Uh, This is sort of a game over for the United States as designed by the founding fathers. If this takes place. Right. And other than that, I'm cheerful and happy. With without the climate emergency, I mean, three days ago it became illegal to manufacture and sell incandescent or halogen light bulbs. Why? You know, cities and states are banning gas furnaces and gas stoves, and even though that they're cheaper and more efficient and all of that than electricity. Anybody who understands anything about a heating appliance. How does electricity produce heat? Electricity produces heat 
by forcing electricity to go through something that does not conduct electricity very well, which is what makes it produce heat, which by definition is not efficient. But yet that's what they want us all to go to. Yeah, and imagine as we see these things happen in various states across the country, and of course the light bulb piece was kicked into gear, people need to remember, during the Bush administration. That's mm-hmm. where it all started, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. It's not all donkeys yeah. and elephants. They're, they're, yeah, they're so, uh, yeah, so we, we can thank the, the very, very evil, highly evil, never given enough credit for how evil they were, Bush family, for starting that process. But imagine if the full force and weight of the federal government is brought behind these kinds of efforts under a declared state of emergency. Understand, folks, if this happens, you're effectively going to live under martial law for the rest of your lives or until something extraordinary extraordinary happens to reverse it. And it will take something extraordinary to reverse it because our history isn't terribly good at reversing things once they start. They tend to continue. Well, speaking of the extraordinary thing that it'll probably take to, to reverse it, if you own a firearm... You might need carry insurance. (laughs) Right to bear insurance is the most affordable carry insurance on the market, according to Pew Pew Tactical and according to my own personal research. It's $11 a month if you own a firearm. Starts at $11 a month. And if you use code Lighthouse when you're there, it'll save you 10%. That's almost like, that's almost a month off. So it's buy 11 months, get a month free. Right to bear insurance, code Lighthouse at Protect with Bear. Code Lighthouse at protectwithbear.com. My my beautiful wife and I were sitting on the couch earlier today watching some silly show on Fox. I don't even remember what. She, she, it's funny as my wife hates politics, but she still insists on watching news shows all the time. And she watches not just Fox, but she, she watches the whole range of them. But something on Fox today. Uh, I think it was Greg Gutfeld was saying that this latest indictment of former President Trump might as well have been, you know, President Biden and, and Merrick Garden and those the Garland and those guys all endorsing Trump. Like that, that the result is that they have just handed him the presidency this next time around. And she said they will never let Trump be president again, even if he. If he wins in a landslide, they will find a way to keep him from being president. And I said, well, if they do that, there's going to be a little bit of bloodshed. Because there's a lot of people out there that are at that tipping point, to use the, the phrase from earlier in the show. They're at the tipping point already. They're, they're, you know, they see the, the, the uh, unconstitutional treatment of, of the January 6th prisoners. They see how they've gone after... Trump for six years and they haven't been able to find anything that doesn't look like a ridiculous fake charge. They they see how you know the 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 other side of the political aisle is getting away with whatever they want, you know, the you know, cocaine in the White House with a by the way, there's there's a former drug addict living in the White House, but nobody bothers to test his blood or anything like that, or you know, whatever. Um they, they see the hypocrisy. They see all of this. But what, what people don't realize is how far back it goes. And and I, I pin it all. You know, I, I used to say 
that it all started in 1913 with Woodrow Wilson, and that's probably true. I think the tipping point of the the nanny state that we live in now was probably 1946 with the Administrative Procedures Act, where where Congress just out and out delegated lawmaking authority known as regulations to you know, dozens of administrative agencies. Right. Well, there's there's uh, a lot of good stuff there in what you just said to unpack, so let's give it a try. Okay. Uh, for, first of all, uh, with regard to the thought that somehow or other this gives Trump the presidency, whether it was Greg Gutfeld or whoever it might have been on Fox, of course, I'll never get a chance to go on Fox. They don't like people like me, but I, I would debate them on that strongly, and I, I'd argue that's preposterous. So... Um, because the people that need to vote to elect Donald Trump president aren't just people who like to vote for Donald Trump. No. They're just regular folks. Yeah. Well, his, and his regular folks aren't going to look at a federal indictment on all of these counts. His indictment in New York, what's coming up in Georgia, they aren't going to look at that. They're just not and say, gosh, I feel sorry for him. This seems wrong. I think I'll vote for him for president. To the contrary, a regular person is going to look at this and say, wow, man, this is bad. That, Gosh, enough of this. This just can't be. How could all of these authorities be wrong? That's what a regular normal person is going to say. His, and, his argument, whoever it was, his argument was that every time they indict him, his, his poll numbers go up. Yeah, they go up against other Republicans, and he was going to beat them all anyway. I mean, That's true. nobody ever had a chance to beat him. It's just preposterous. Everybody who's running against him, I shouldn't say that. Some people are running for good reasons, mm -hmm. like Ramsey, good reason to run. People are getting to know him. They like him. He's setting himself up to run in 2028. Good for him. Makes perfect sense. DeSantis has ruined his political career. He can never be president. He's finished because he ran. And then there's all kinds of people in between. Here's the thing about what they've done to Trump. Here's why you're right about violence, but you're right about it no matter what. Let me make a quick argument. Let's sort of Monte Carlo this out and do a little game theory and look at different scenarios. Let's say that Donald Trump is somehow or other between now and before the election tried and convicted and jailed. Now, even Trump would have a really hard time running for office from prison. If that happens, his supporters are going to become violent. Yes. Let's say that the weight of all of these accusations forces Trump. He decides to withdraw. His supporters are going to point to what happened to him and they're going to become violent. Let's say that Trump makes it all the way through, runs for the presidency, and loses in November of next year. His supporters are going to say the election was stolen, and they will likely become violent. Now, let's pretend that Trump runs for president and he wins. The other side will have blood in the streets like you can't imagine. There is no scenario now with what Smith has done in Washington that doesn't rip this country to pieces in 2024. There's no scenario where this ends well. 
He's, he's ensured that. By the way, he's an educated man. He knows this. They want the violence. Now let's tie it back to the cheerful beginning of your show and my political continuum. <laughs> We're on the path to totalitarianism. Uh-huh. What better way to accelerate that path than to have an unruly populace? Yep. Because then you have to put your boot on their throat for their own protection. It's for your Folks, this own. This is as simple as it is complicated. We're, for a variety of reasons, we're on the path to totalitarianism. Um, last point with regard to all the stuff you said, because you had a lot of good stuff. Everybody likes to look for where these things start. And I may have said this on your show before, but I would suggest that we shouldn't be looking for a single place where anything started. Think of this more like a run of electrical wires through your home. Think of them going from all different directions, from all different places, but all of them ultimately converging at a junction box. There have been a number of separate and distinct paths that have been running through our country for well over 100 years, and I agree with a couple you identified, but there are others. But they've all begun to converge at the junction box, and we know the incredible power of that voltage. So this is a difficult thing to stop. Um, and we're very well along the way of having it be sort of past the aviator's point of no return. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess it, it's, we're kind of at the point of, okay, so everything's back to the junction box and the junction box is going to overload and melt down or explode or do whatever it, it's going to do. The question is, what are we going to have on the other side? Are we going to have a totalitarian government of some type or are we going to manage to, 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 um, get back to the constitu constitutional governance that we intended. It's impossible to predict, but a one very reasonable guess based on human history is this, that we'll come out on the other side of this with our constitution still in place, not even changed, but simply a piece of window dressing that's referred to rhetorically and ignored practically. Now, we see plenty of that already today. That's kind of what it is now. <laughs> we see plenty of it already. Imagine if we simply just do away with all the facades. Wow. And we have it there, and we say, what a wonderful thing, much like the Constitution of the Soviet Union was. Right. I was just going to say that. Hey, Brent, thank you very much. We'll see you next month. Brent Hamachak. BrentHamachak.com, CommonGroundCampus.com, and HumanEvents.com. Uh, Me too. Commercial break. Be back in three minutes. Delivery kits are very convenient, but man, are they expensive. And that's where every plate comes in. Every plate is only $4.99 a portion. If you go to liberty-lighthouse.com slash every plate, I'll get you a great introductory offer, knocking that first box down to $1.79 a portion, and then $3.99 a portion for the next two boxes. 
saving you $62 just for trying EveryPlate. That's liberty-lighthouse.com slash everyplate. This episode of Liberty Lighthouse originally aired as National Intel Report on Republic Broadcasting Network Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. No phone calls are being taken at this time. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading There's an unspoken fear We're on our way down We must eat America Welcome back to the second hour National Intel Report live on Republic Broadcasting Network Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo 5 Radio and uh, Patriot Nation Radio Network and anywhere else you find the program in video or audio formats um, hey, I promised you Dave Summerall when we came back, and uh, well, hey, look at that. Here's Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest thinks hot dogs are just American tacos. That's right. He is justice for J6 prisoners advocate and StopHate.com owner, David Summerall. Where's the crowd noise? American, wait, I have, I have, which wait. where's the crowd? There you have it. There you have it. Now I feel at home. That's great. What are you doing, brother? What you you get applause every time somebody inter- introduces you? No, just in my head. Just oh, just in, in your head. <laughs> yeah, I like I like to hear it when I can. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the last time I was introduced anywhere. <laughs> yeah, for good reasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I had um, I, I actually I just I did an interview for my my new book last week. That was that's the last time I got interviewed or got introduced anywhere. I was. I was interviewed on uh, on another podcast, another, yeah. another internet radio show, the, the Daily Mojo. You've been on there. The Brad, Mojo, Brad, Brad, I'm excited about your book. I'm excited about that. Yeah, I was just on there. was was selling out my. I mean, uh, uh, you know, trying to sell my book there. Yes. Um, and yeah. Brad Brad Staggs actually uh, wrote the foreword of my book. Very nice. Yeah, and Very he nice. hates to write, so it's a big honor. Yeah, that somebody who hates to write was willing to write the foreword. I, I resemble that remark. <laughs> and I'm just saying it's it's tough to sit down and put the pen to paper. Sometimes you you know, got to be inspired. It's hard when you have to do something like that. It's I got I got like a week or two left to to make any last minute changes. If you want to write me a little blurb to put on the back of the book, I can send you a copy real quick. <laughs> oh, you gonna twist my arm into that? I'll get somebody to. I'll, I'll ask AI. I'll ask AI. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what's funny is AI has really helped me out a lot. People are you know saying how AI is evil. Yeah. I I've used it a lot. I've made myself super super busy and I've started to utilize it. Yeah. I've just yeah. I started out the show saying I made myself really busy. I wrote this another this new book. I I'm, I'm building these classes. I've I've kind of committed to producing an article every week and, and yes. it's a lot of freaking work. Dude, it's tough. I, I I've gone to AI to kind of outline things for me i'd be like i got an idea for an article but i don't you know tell me a give me an idea for this and and it'll it'll outline something and you know we've it's never perfect enough that i can just copy and paste but no. it's, it's something to start with and go oh that's good oh that's you know, it, it's missing this i need to put this in there and you know 
So we've we've experimented with it some, you know, the stop hate team, and it's it's really interesting because you ask it to, you know, write something in a perspective, mm-hmm. and and it's very amazing. Some of the pulls that we've gotten back, literally, AI has already been programmed to twist things around. The you know, politically, it can't comment yeah. on these things or that. But when it asks you about certain things, it will frame it, especially January 6th and things like that, you know. And, and then, of course, it says, you know, it's not in the database, all these things. There's there's excuses okay. built in. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. They, they really – you have to be careful. And like you said, it's useful for a lot of things. It's just a tool. You know, there are tools. And whether you can use them all or not, that's, you know, best tools for the job. But it's just like a hammer. A hammer's for driving nails. You could hit somebody in the head with it and make it a bad tool. But if you're using it properly and everything, you know, it's it's got its uses. And uh, I'm scared of it to an extent because I see the the ramifications, the the lack of control. We can't even control ourselves, our censorship, our government, our people. <laughs> and, and here we're thinking robots are going to do better than us or something, you know. So that's kind of scary, too. Yeah, just like anything else, it's a tool. Social, social media is not evil. Correct. It's a tool. Yes, sir. Unfortunately, it's used for evil. Yeah. Often. yeah. Um, so... You coming on was the first I actually like mentioned my my new book. Other, I think I, at the beginning I mentioned it. It's just because you know I would like to sell a copy or two. A more tyrannical, a more tyrannical king. It's looking at our current state of government versus the the state of government under King George the Third, circa seventeen seventy five, to see which one do you think is more tyrannical. Um, it is now available for pre-order at Amazon and Barnes and Noble and thebookshop.org in paperback, and also available for pre-order in an ebook just about anywhere that you can buy ebooks. That's um, exciting. That really is. It's my third book, and and they're all short. I say this all the time. I don't like to read, so I write books for people like me. They're all very thin, very short books that you can pick up, read a chapter and put it down and you know, you don't have to sit and read the whole thing, but if you want to sit and read the whole thing, you can read the whole thing in like an hour or two. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Novels are hard when they're 700 pages. It, it just takes yeah. the wind right out of it. Nobody has time for that anymore. And our attention spans have seemingly shrunk as well. So that's perfect. That's a perfect way to do it. But I'm excited about it because I agree hundred percent with the premise of that book. And I don't want to do any spoilers as to, which is more tyrannical. But, uh, I'm telling you, man, that's a great topic and a great necessary comparison that we need today. So I appreciate you writing that. Well, thank you very much. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate what you do. And we haven't talked about that at all yet. You've been on the show for like six minutes and we're talking about me, like okay. my show or something. We got a lot of time for that. man. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on in the stophate.com world? Oh, you know, we're probably as busy as you are in different ways. You know, I travel a lot. I drive around. I've uh, testified in three different uh, federal cases now in trials for January Sixers. Um, I've been all over the country back and forth. Just spoke in California a month or so ago, which is a long drive, 34 hours one way kind of deal. And, uh, you know, it's 24 hours to D.C. Uh, if you stop and take about a three-hour nap, and generally I'll hit you know, a rest area somewhere when I get tired and sleep three or four hours. And, uh, you know, it's no different than anybody doing anything on a shoestring. You know, I, I'm not made out of money. I'm a carpenter. 
And, uh, you know, generally that's why I sleep in rest areas and occasionally hit a shower at a truck stop, you know, 13 bucks or whatever. They got decent showers, you know, they clean them up and, and, uh, but you know, hotel rooms and fuel and it costs about a thousand bucks round trip and fuel just to go to DC and back a little less, but pretty close, you know, buy a snack or two, it's every bit of a grand and, you know, pack the lunchbox, do what I can, but you know, these, these, these defendants, these J6ers, there's no way I could ask them you know, to pay my way to come and defend them. They're already broke, man. They're, they're up to their neck with attorney fees. They can't make their house payments, truck payments. I mean, their, their families and homes are falling apart. And it's just something that I want to be able to do for these folks and, and contribute, you know, and, and try to help them fight for their freedom. But I got to tell you, man, going to these court cases, you know, going to these trials, getting uh, threatened every time that I testify, you know, they, they say, we're going to throw you in jail, you know, or we're going to, we could potentially criminally charge you for your testimony today because you're saying that you were there on January 6th. And, you know, to me, that witness intimidation thing, you know, it's a thing. And, and the second judge asked me, uh, if I understood waving my fifth amendment rights and all, she said, I know you've testified in another trial, but you understand. I said, yeah, no, I really don't understand. And she said, she said, what, what do you, (laughs) cause you don't just say that to a, and she asked me, I no, ma'am. I was like, yeah, no, I, I don't think I understand. And she said, well, why? I said, well, because the FBI has already been to my house multiple times. I've interviewed with them several times with my attorney. Um, they've declared that I'm of interest and, and they know where I was. They know what I saw. They know what I did and didn't do. And they took me off the list. So I don't, I don't understand. I said to me, your honor, it seems like if you were to charge me criminally at this point, it would be purely for reasons. Don't you think? And she was floored. She's like, you've interviewed with the FBI already? Yes, ma'am, I have. So I don't know why these prosecutors want to tell you, hey, this guy hadn't been charged yet. You need to, you know, work him up, you know, and, and, and it just seems ridiculous to me. And then we get into the cases, you know, literally these, these policemen are on the stand perjuring themselves. We had one officer in, I believe, the second case I testified in that, was accusing the defendant of cutting a hole in the tarp with a knife. And, and and then we showed the video of that same policeman cutting a 50-foot hole in the tarp with a knife. The policeman did that. Did the judge say, oh, my gosh, that's perjury. You can't lie in my court, you bad policeman. You said he cut it, but you actually cut it, policeman. I mean, it's obvious, blatant on video no repercussions. You know, we proved three of the policemen were lying, bold face lies. Judge does nothing. There's no justice in that, man. There's no fairness. There's no equality. You can't get a fair shake in DC. These jurors are frothing at the mouth, wanting to be a part of history so that they can convict somebody for January 6th. Little do they know, or little do they think this political climate changes every four to eight years. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a pendulum kind of thing. And when the power's in the other hand, how are they going to feel? You know, we have sedition hunters that actively hunt J6ers. And sedition hunters are supplied money and funding from select universities who get grants from Homeland Security. And then they work with the FBI to hunt down conservatives. It's all part of their plan. I tell everybody the whole game is rigged, and these are some of the reasons why. But what's going to happen when it switches around and sedition hunters are the 
hunted. Or these jurors, when somebody puts the word out and says, hey, you remember all those jurors that made horrible decisions and threw all you people in the gulag for years? Let's go get them next. Let's go get all the BLM. Let's go hunt down Antifa. Bring them to me. I, I dread those days, man, because it's no better than what we're going through. I don't wish that on anybody, and I wish everybody would kind of come together and say, we don't need to live like this anymore. I always say it, brother. It's the black ants and the red ants. It's <laughs> right. the government that's shaking the jar. I mean, that's exactly where we live, and I'm sick of them shaking the jar at our expense every day. All right. So for anybody who doesn't know that analogy, the, the analogy is if you put a bunch of red red fire ants and a bunch of, you know, big black ants in a jar, they will live cohesive, you know, together cohesively. Yeah. They're, they're fine right. until you shake the jar and you okay. shake the jar. They, they try to kill each other. Yeah. Um, it was you. No, it was you. It was you. No, it was you. Like, <laughs> you know, that's so, where we live politically. So looking at the, uh, the, the, you know, what do you call these video comments? We got uh, True Seeker Donald says lawyers, aka attorneys, are wor- word twisters. That yeah. is basically what their job is. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. I, you know, this is always good. Good radio trying to read and do a show at the same time. It. Hey man, this is the way to go. Not been getting notifications for almost a year. Well, that's because uh, Sir John was that Johnson. Um, you haven't been getting notifications because uh, my. YouTube was deleted. This is a new YouTube channel. So follow me again, please. Um, True Seeker Donald also says that AI can lie, and that is sure. Uh, yes, garbage in and garbage out. And that, that is absolutely true. That's right. Um, and it's kind of fun to, to mess with it. It um, is fun to explore it and to, and to fact check it, basically, and to see how it's being programmed. Because that's very critical for the future. I, I know we all understand the necessity of keeping an eye on that. Well, but, uh, and it's it's got to be a constant eye, too, because let's let's pretend for a minute. Like, okay, so I'm the evil computer programmer guy, you know, Buckerberg. Yeah. And, and I'm going to create this artificial intelligence thing, and I want people to understand it and use it. So I'm going to make sure that it's about as fair and honest as it can possibly be in this first round. Yeah. And then when, you know, version two or three or four comes out, let's just tick it, tick it, tick it, tick it, and make it a little more left leaning. And then right. the next version comes out, we'll make it a little. So, so you've got your, your little while here where you think you've learned to use it effectively and mm-hmm. you've learned the tricks to, to get it to say what you want it to say and whatever. And you start to trust it until, you know, the updates come out and they do this other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wait until people start putting their medicines into the dispenser and letting A and I, AI dole them out to them every day. Yeah, there's, there's yeah, this. Well, I'm just going to mix this one. I don't want to do this because you're there's the show host I know that has a, a, a medical dispensing device as a as a sponsor. Where you Not me. There's six different pills in there, and it no. Not to mention, I don't take any medicines. That's me, brother. I was going to say, you, you're going to fill that thing up. I don't even have to see the machine. I don't take Advil, man. I will not. I mean, what's the point? I, all right, I, 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 I got to stop. I just said I don't take any medicines, and I lied. I, for the last couple of months, I have been taking an anti-inflammatory because I have both plantar fasciitis and tennis elbow. Well, that's a good excuse. Okay. So so for a couple of months now, I've been taking yeah. Meloxicam. Um, but yeah, that's it. 
until the body heals and then you don't need that anymore. You know, we, we do so much medically to put a Band-Aid on it. We never fix the problem and it, it's all these long-term, oh, once you're on this, you're on this for the rest of your life, then you got to take that because you're on that and then you got to take that because you're on that. I'm not going to get started, man. I'm in my <laughs> mid-50s. You know, I've already had malignant melanoma. I've already had a brain tumor. I've already got all that stuff out of the way, so I'm good, you know, and hopefully I'll get to I haven't it. had any of that stuff, but I'm still not taking bets. But- <laughs> I got a doctor who keeps saying, um, you're 50 years old, you smoke like a chimney, and you've got a crappy diet, you don't exercise, you need to be on statin medications. And I'm like, nope. Nope. <laughs> no. No. I said, well, I'll yeah. adjust my diet a little bit, and we'll see what we can do. And well, actually, you know, tomorrow, and- I, I go to get jabbed again for them to run a, uh, run another test. I, I, yeah. I, I started taking a cholesterol, whatever, mm-hmm. supplement. I cut about a half a gallon of milk a week out of my diet. Yeah. I switch some of my coffee to tea every day. It's amazing, isn't it? And um, we'll see how that does. Well, if you, your cholesterol is still too high, tough crap. I'm still not taking statin yeah. meds. You know, there's a limit. There's a limit to where you can go on that. But listen, it's diet and exercise. It's almost like um, the percentages. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And, and, and you can't trust the food pyramid. It was upside down for 30 years. You know? Gee, <laughs> I wonder how that happened. <laughs> why, why are we so fat and dumb? I don't understand. It's weird, but you know. No well, fit. my friends over at the wellness company, one friend in particular, Doctor Doctor Jen Vandewater, who's on this show the fourth Thursday of every month. Yeah. She, when I told her that I was thinking, of, you know, my doctor wanted me to go on statin, she like turned white with big eyes. Oh, don't do it! Don't do it! Don't do it! Yeah. So, um, yeah, I trust the wellness company more than I trust my own doctors at the VA. So if you want a doctor who actually stands up for your medical freedom and actually has your wellness in mind, go to twc.health. You can buy supplements. You can get uh, the virtual care visits. You can buy memberships where that include supplements and personal virtual care visits all in one. twc.health. Use code LIGHTHOUSE to save yourself a buck or two or ten or whatever. I don't know. It's a discount. That is the future of medicine right there. The wellness company. Yeah, it's great. I love them. It's amazing. It's amazing. That one-on-one connection's back, you know, and and it's it's a lot different. And virtual is so convenient for people. But, you know, we're exploring new ways to do better things. And, you know, like you said, everything can be used for good or for bad. we got to decide which one that is. And, you know, right now it's like our government. What is that being used for? Ah, Not for us, you know. Look at Trump, man. Oh, my gosh. How excited is everyone to see him as the newest J6er. I yeah. mean, that's, that's what I want to know. <laughs> I, all right, look, I'm not a huge Trump fan. No, no. But, but how much they go after him is making me become a Trump fan. It's it kind funny of does. to me yeah. that they have been going after him for six freaking years, yeah. and they honestly un- haven't been able to find anything to convict him on. No. No, not a thing. And, and and so I have to disagree with Brett a little while ago. Um, I think it is just as bad that any J6er is going through what Trump's going through. You know, he said it's worse because he and I understand his position being a, a, a former president. I get that. But any J6er could be a president. Yeah. Anybody can be president. You know what I'm saying? Obama proved that. Then Biden proved it again. <laughs> so. That's not really a prerequisite anymore. Biden the was fact- fun one to me. I, you know, Obama's one thing. Obama was, he was slick. He was a good speaker. He yeah. got up there and gave a good speech, and he was yeah. you know, well-dressed, slick, attractive man. I, you know, 
not a not a big surprise. Yeah. Biden. Yeah. Biden, who on his third attempt so bad. finally made it. You know, the first time he dropped out for plagiarism. Yes. Nobody uh, remembers that. The second time, I'm pretty sure he dropped out for plagiarism again. I think that was it. Thief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so the third time he stays in his basement and holds rallies with like, you know, cars and circles and drive-in theaters or something. I don't even know. Yeah. It was amazing. He got, you know, 12 cars at a rally. And in the meantime, you know, Trump's over there with 50,000 people in an arena. Yeah. So we're not, three we're times not, yeah, two or three times a week. <laughs> but we're not supposed to question how that's possible. This guy who who insulted black people from his basement. Oh, horribly. Horribly. Who, <laughs> who didn't do any legitimate rallies. Like, yeah. this guy won. Let's put the, don't question that. Let me put the warning out for people. Make sure wherever you vote has plenty of ballots that you can fill out by hand. Make sure that they don't run out of those ballots on Election Day because we don't know if Trump's going to be on it or not. And if he's not, you can still write his name on. Oh, and you can do that for any office from the president down to the dog catcher. You can mm-hmm. write names. that You don't have to settle for the lesser of two evils anymore. You don't have to fill out a bubble that they supplied. You don't have to go for their choices that they've already picked before the game was played. You can organize locally in your community and not use those bubbles. Write the people's names. It does two things. It kicks it out of the electronic count because you wrote on it. Mm-hmm. And you're not playing their game anymore. You don't have to do their their uh, speeches, their fundraising, their signatures. You don't have to do their debates with them. You do your thing. You organize around it. And, and, and you know, I don't know if that's going to happen with Trump, if they're going to try to keep him off the ballot. But I want people to kind of think about this in advance. If that were the case, we would still want to vote for him for president. The only way you can do that is if you write his name on it. If they don't have enough ballots for that, that's another way to rig this. So bear that in mind as we move forward over the next year and start asking your, your precincts if they have, because we'll know real soon if they're going to try to keep him off the ballot for sure, you know, or if he goes to jail or not or what. But, you know, otherwise I put on a badge and a uniform and a gun and I patrol five different polling stations every election day. You're really yeah. starting to make me a, a little nervous about that this this next time around. Yeah, I can see why. I mean, <laughs> you know, I was listening to Tim Poole the other day. Timcast, um, and he was saying, you know, what what happens the day after the election? What happens if Trump wins? You know, what happens if Biden wins? Neither side is going to accept it. Neither side is going to believe it's legitimate. Neither side. I mean, is this the tipping point that y'all were talking about earlier? Yeah, that's part part of what Brent was saying. Was yeah. there there is you know thanks to uh, you know what's his name James or whatever in in D.C. that just that just brought these charges. Yeah. There is no peaceful outcome left. Like, n- no matter which side wins, team left, team right, to use Brent's terminology, yeah. uh, there's going to be violence. There's going to be anarchy in the streets. There's going to be whatever, which is and a sad. Try to avoid it. We've tried to avoid it the whole time. We preached against it, v- vocalized our disdain with any kind of violence because that's not who we are or what we want. And yet they keep accusing us as being domestic violent extremists they do this january 6th thing mm-hmm. now they got trump in the same basket it, it's just so sad to see such a long game played out so well 
and that people just haven't been quick enough to get ahead of it or to understand what's going on. And here we are in this position. Now, like you said, what's the alternative? There's no way out of that situation. Nope. And, and that's really not anybody's fault but the politicians, the people that are supposed to represent us that don't. And that's bothersome. So that's the way. Look, there's a couple of things that I want to do. I want to hold them all accountable for never reporting the murders correctly from January 6th. Absolutely. Hey, speaking of which, we got like uh, like less than a minute. Yeah. It's all yours. Tell people what they can do to help. Man, go buy that book. Go to StopHate.com. This book, 100% of the funds goes to the prisoners. It's called The American Gulag Chronicles. Lettersfromprison.us is where you can get it. Lettersfromprison.us or StopHate.com. Go check out our documentaries. We're about to come out with a new film, J6, A True Timeline. We're shooting for 9-11, and uh, we might be a little after that, but we're going to drop some good teasers at that point at least so people can see what the worst terrorist attacks since 9-11 really was. Thank you very much, Dave Summerall, StopHate.com. Back in three minutes. We want the freedom that God gave us, so you best not cross that line. If you want this gun, you got to come through us and take it one shot at a time. The next time you're looking for audio equipment, I want you to think M-A-O-N-O. That's right, Mayono.com is quality audio equipment at affordable prices. The Mayono Caster that I use for all of my broadcasting is one-third of the price of the more famous alternative on the market. Microphones, stands, cables, headphones, audio interface equipment, all at mayono.com and use the code LIGHTHOUSE. That's the code LIGHTHOUSE at mayono.com. This episode of Liberty Lighthouse originally aired as National Intel Report on Republic Broadcasting Network Thursday, August 3rd. 2023. No phone calls are being taken at this time. Hey, welcome back. It's the final segment of tonight's show. And uh, yeah, I don't know where to go. We, we've been talking with Dave Sumrall and uh, Brent Hemachek. And I'm, I should start by saying next week. Next week, we, I've got um, Scott Thompson from Right to Bear, as I do the second Thursday of every month, as well as... Uh, Paul Engel, a constitutional expert who does a great show called The Constitutional Study. He's got a website. He does a, a podcast. Uh, I think he's over on America Out Loud Network, uh, Constitution Study. I love his perspective, and I actually found him through his podcast, and I reached out to him and said, hey, would you like to be a guest? And he's coming on next week. And also next week, the last segment of the show the last 30 minutes of the show is going to be something produced and recorded because i'm not going to be here so we'll have you know an hour and a half of live show and then i'm going to come up with a half an hour of something recorded i don't know for sure what i'm going to do with it but but it'll be there um i i i mentioned the ad administrative Act of 1946, and the Administrative Procedures Act of 1946 basically is when Congress authorized executive branch agencies to to uh, start making regulations and doing their crap. 
And I don't know if you can still hear me or not because I got this whole, you know, internet connection problem message on my computer screen. Hopefully I'm still broadcasting. And now, oh, I just got it again. It seems like something's wrong. What is wrong with my computer? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we're still broadcasting. Um, so the Administrative Procedures Act of 1946 was a big part of the tipping point where we became the administrative state. Now, I want to apologize to Mark in Louisiana and uh, Laura in Michigan, who were both on hold. And I, one of you I forgot about, no offense, uh, while I was talking to a guest, and the other one, you know, whatever. You're both welcome to call back. Sorry about that. Uh, this is a live call-in show. So if you would like to join the program, join the conversation, 512-248-8252. Uh, if you're watching the video production, you can um, you can uh, comment on the videos, and I'll see those. And if you'd like, if you'd like to text, you can do that too. Text 64MyRight, 646-974-4487. So lots of ways to contact the show. Um, Administrative Procedures Act of 1946. As a constitutional originalist, as the guy who takes the words in the Constitution for what they meant at the time that it was written, well, that was something that should have been dropped out. It should have been kicked out by the Supreme Court. It should have been deemed unconstitutional. Article 1 U.S. Constitution, all legislative powers will be vested in a Congress, or in the Congress. All legislative powers vested in the Congress. The Administrative Procedures Act allows for, well, allows the, the delegation of that authority to executive branch agencies, what we call now the three-letter agencies, the the deep state, the the administrative state, whatever you want to call them. All of those 440 federal departments and agencies. They're a problem in many ways. They're a problem because they should not be writing law and a regulation that has a has a, uh, what do you call it, has a punishment associated, is a law, basically. That's all there is. That's the only difference between a regulation and a law is punishment. So it's a law, which means it should have to go through Congress to be legal because of Article One, all legislative power vested in Congress. Anyway, let's see here. We got Dirt Nap US says hello. Yes, hello. How are you? Uh, we got uh, Sir Johnson just signed up on Twitch. Thank you very much. True Seeker Donald says hello again. And how are American principles exhibited? A guy who lost the election insists he won. Well, well, part of it is the fact that he has the right to do that. It's called free speech there, uh, Dirt Nap US. Uh, anybody can say anything they want as long as they're not threatening somebody else or causing causing imminent harm and danger. So he has a right. Should he be 
criminally charged for it? No. Should he be ridiculed for it? Maybe. Fine. You know, that that's how it works. Free speech isn't just for speech that you agree with. This the speech that you disagree with, the speech that's wrong, the speech from somebody who's lying is best combated with more speech. If you think the person is wrong, show that he's wrong. If you think that he's lying, prove that he's lying. Let's see here. Him saying that he is right showed the evidence. They covered up the evidence. That is not a crime he is being charged with. That Yeah, I agree. It is not a crime that he's being charged with. Um, but it's really hard for me to carry on a conversation on a video, live radio broadcast with these tech mess- you know, messages coming in there. So uh, feel free to call into the show at 512-248-8252, their dirt nap over on Twitch. Um, yeah. The Trump thing. Again, I am not a huge Trump supporter. He did some good things. He did some bad things. But the way that the the government has been going at him for so long is ridiculous. And, the, and these charges that they trumped up, pun intended, uh, are, are ridiculous. And, and this most recent, the federal indictment that just came out, what I love about it is it's mind reading. It says, you know, that he made these claims knowing that they weren't true. Well, how can you possibly know what somebody else knows? That, that, so that's ridiculous. And the fact that they're saying that he knew that the, the election wasn't stolen and, and he made these claims anyway, that's opening the door. That maybe, just maybe, all of you out there that feel the election was stolen, that there was shenanigans, that, that there were fraudulent votes casts. All of you that have watched the Mike Lindell videos and seen the Mike Lindell data, you might get your day in the court yet. Because this indictment of Donald Trump might open that door for you. The opening statement in that indictment says that Trump knew that this was false and said it anyway. That sounds like a door being opened for him to say, well, here's all the evidence I had, which is why I didn't believe it to be false. Now, I I don't know that there was election fraud. I don't know that anything shady went on in the last election. I'm not that involved. But the fact that they never, they being the courts, the courts never allowed any evidence to be seen in court, it's kind of funny to me. There was a lot of cases brought and cases dismissed because you know they don't have standing or you know you filed this in the wrong court or whatever. There was a lot of reasons why cases were dismissed, but the evidence was never really adjudicated but the hmm, the only uh, hold please the opening statement of the last indictment the federal indictment against Trump the last few days the opening statement that says that he knew this was not true 
and made these claims anyway. It might be the door opening up to allow those those that evidence, true or not, to be adjudicated in court. So is this a dirt nap U.S. from Wisconsin on line one? Welcome to the show. How are you? Hello? Hey, I'm good. How are Hello. you? I'm here. I'm doing well. I'm uh, hey, I appreciate as you are. I, I, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Hold on. I was going to say, I think that you might be the first person who has ever gone from video chatting, you know, commenting on the video, to actually calling in. So thank you very much for that. I appreciate oh, it. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. And, and as, the, as the show host, trying to, you know, keep a flow of thoughts and things coming out of my mouth while also trying to read the, uh, the, the pile of, of messages that are popping up over the side, you know, I, I don't get to read them all. They sometimes go so fast yeah. that I miss them. I, I'm actually having a hard time. Imagine, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually having a hard time understanding uh, where where do you stand on this? Uh, you do you believe that they're going after Trump with fraudulent charges? Do you think that that um, you know he did some shady stuff and they they just haven't caught him yet? Well, do you, like, I mean, what I see is is a pattern, and it started back in 2016 when he won the electoral college. Within a week, or maybe it was a month of an office. He claimed to have won the popular vote because of millions of illegal votes. <laughs> he made his claim, and then he went and he, I think he believed, I believe he even established a committee to look into this, and, and there was nothing to it. it was, I don't know why he said it, because there was no evidence of millions of illegal votes occurring in 2016. Well, I, I can't say that there's no evidence, um, because... Well, there isn't any. I mean, unless you can I, show it to me. I mean, that, you can use well, that same saying. argument for, for green men on the moon. I can say there's I, green men on the moon because there's no evidence that there's not. That's proving a negative. That's, that's no, what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, I can't say that there's no evidence because I'm not privy to the information that the president at the time may have had. There may well, be evidence out there. I'm not privy to it. If the president says that there ev- there's evidence, I kind of have to take his word for it because he's privy to more stuff than I am. But I understand okay. what you're saying. He says he won the yeah. popular vote. The numbers that were made public. He didn't win the popular vote. Right, I, correct. I yeah, he won the Electoral College, and that, that took him over the top, and he, and he was president for four years. In those four years, he is on record with over 30,000 false or misleading statements. Yeah, uh, 30,000. He And, and, and 29,999 of those was probably him basically being a bra- braggadocious ass that had nothing to do with policy or procedure. He, you they know, were completely the, false. The biggest, the biggest inauguration ever. Well, it wasn't. We all know it wasn't. But he's got an ego, and he says stupid stuff like that. How many of those false statements had anything to do with policy? I can. Did I he, mean, you want to go through them one by one? I couldn't do all thirty thousand, but I mean, there's 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 dozens, if not hundreds, that directly okay. affect his policy, his decision making. That that is pathological. Someone. I mean, okay. what other person in your life do you have anybody that you know? lies constantly like that that you would have anything to do with. How about President Biden? I graduated. Okay, but Biden. So here, here's the non sequitur. Here's the non sequitur. <laughs> so now you're going to bring up something that's completely unrelated to our to our topic. How is it? Not, how is it? Unrelated? He's not. How is unrelated? It's another president. 
who is a pathological liar. It's, it's, it's perfectly related. Okay, so does that make it okay? No, it doesn't make it okay. It, it means so that then, we, the people, have got to start electing people that actually understand the Constitution and the role of government, not braggadocious assholes or, or, right. or pathological swamp creatures. Right. I, mean, I, I don't uh, know. Have, have you listened I can to my talk about? I can talk about it. No, sorry, I have not. No, it's your first time. I mean, you're, you're co- you know, you're, you, you seem like you've got a head, you know, a brain in your head, and it's very rare here on Twitch. A lot of people just get too much to drink and start just <laughs> well, thank you. off of it. You know? Well, thank <laughs> you for being new, a, a new listener slash watcher. I appreciate that very much. Yeah. L- let me tell you, I don't know if you, if you caught the beginning of the show or how long you've been watching. I am a constitutional originalist. I believe that our federal government should only be doing the set. Well, all right. If you break it down, there are 17 powers granted to Congress in Article 1, Section 8. If you take the entire Constitution and you, you add up every power listed anywhere in the document, you get 30-ish powers. I don't think our federal government should be doing anything other than those 30-ish things. That's where I stand. So when I look at it and I see, you know, a federal department of health, health is not mentioned in the Constitution. Health is therefore a state and or personal issue. Education, not in the Constitution, therefore a state and or personal issue, et cetera, et cetera, environment, whatever. Go on ad nauseum because there are 440 federal department and agencies and 30 powers in the Constitution. That's my stance. So every president going back a hundred years or more, in my personal opinion, has been completely unconstitutional with their use of executive orders, unconstitutional in their arbitrary enforcement of you know, immigration law, for example. They, they choose which laws they ch- do or don't enforce rather than enforcing right. all the laws, whether they agree with them or not. My purpose, my goal, why I've written now three books, why I have created the Liberty Lighthouse Classroom where I'm teaching the Constitution, why I do this show is because I think that this has gone on and been allowed to happen for so long because the majority of the public out there has no idea what's in the Constitution. Oh, I know, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's sad. It really is. You know, and I mean, of all the people in this country, we hired the look at who are hiring to lead us. It's scared. It's scary. It really is. It is. It's, it's very scary. And, uh, you know, I, I think you and I probably agree on, on more than we disagree. Right. And there's nobody out there that you're going to agree with 100%. And on, right. on either any side of any political aisle or political spectrum, there's nobody that you agree with all the way with everything all the time. I think Trump did some good things when he was off. It, it, when he was in office, he had some good policies. Yeah. He had some bad policies. He was a braggadocious ass who couldn't stay off of Twitter and in liked to incite the press. You know, he had his good and his bad. As with pretty much every other president that we've ever had, the oh, the, yeah. the balance of good versus bad, depending on where you stand, you know, from president to president swings from one side to the other. Do I want Trump to be my next president? No, not really. I don't. I think he's too old. I think he's too much 
in it about himself. I honestly, I haven't seen anybody lately. I mean, some of the people that have no chance of winning are the people that I would rather see win. Yeah, Bernie Sanders crossed right across the aisle. I mean, he did a he did a town hall on Fox News, and I mean, Fox News viewers were there, and you know, they they were agreeing with him ninety percent of the time. You know what's really funny with Bernie Sanders, and I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago on the show, which, by the way, I'm here every Thursday night from 6 to 8 Eastern, so I hope you come back and see me again. Um, Bernie Sanders, to me, for a very long time, had my respect. Not that I agreed with anything that he said. He had my respect because I felt that he believed what he was saying. I lost that with Bernie when he was asked in an interview about his million dollar book deal and his response was, well, you could go get a million dollar book deal. I'm like Bernie, you're a capital, you're, you're a comp, uh, socialist, you're a socialist, but you're now touting capitalism. Sure. And, and, and at that moment I lost all my respect for Bernie. He, until that moment, I honestly thought he believed the socialist ideas that he was putting forward. And I I don't have to agree with you to respect you. Yeah. But I, I lost it then. And there's a bunch of them out there. I mean, you don't you don't have to agree with people to, to respect them. As long as you can there, understand. There's one thing. There's one thing that uh, when I ask for people, you know, pressing for evidence, or there's all this wide, wide massive rigging and, and fraudulent votes and millions of votes were flip and all this stuff and I go, Well where where are you reading this and how did you find out how did you become privy to this information? And they respond with two thousand mules. And that you're, that movie I, I don't want you to think so many you're, levels. You're starting to break up. I'm sorry. You you're starting now? to break up really bad. So I, I don't yeah, I hear you now, okay. but I, I missed like every other word of what you just said and I don't want you to think I'm hanging up on you if we get caught up. Um, okay. I think uh, I got the gist me, of what you were saying. There's a lot of people out there that think said. there was massive amounts of fraud. Right. There's there and are that you, know, you got like Mike the, Lindell that spent God knows amount of money well, that, yeah. and saying that He's you know this in, happened. Yeah. It's just a yeah. money mule. It's right. a, it's just an excuse to make money and sell pillows for him. But the a lot of the responses I get is is well, you just got to watch Two Thousand Mules, and that that movie is riddled with inaccuracies over generalizations, grand assumptions, leaping logic and the guy who made it, Dinesh D'Souza, I mean, have you have you read about this guy? He like he gets in trouble for all kinds yeah, of stuff. Oh, yeah. And people use this movie as like as like some type of redeeming uh you know, source of, of a stolen mass. I, I, I mean we I think there's something there though. I'm not I'm not saying that two thousand mules is the the proof of the massive fraud that people say that it is, but you have to look at that and say that there is something there. You have to just the video. Ignore the narration and you know statistics and stuff. Just looking at you know, people going up to the drop boxes with you know, massive handfuls of, of ballots and shoving them in. And and the you know, I'm not saying that everything they put out is true and act accurate, but there's enough there that should make you question and think about it. like why why do we have elections going on the way why can't we go back to one day elections and what's wrong with voter id you're either a citizen or you're not and you know what i'm a mailman in my full-time regular daily job 
I see how much mail from the elections office gets returned to sender because of this person moved, this person's dead, this person hasn't lived right. here in you know, five years or whatever. We, how do you get from there thing, to those? How, how do you jump from that? I mean, you know, I, I imagine that's your personal experience with these ballots, but then how would you jump from that to those being submitted fraudulently? Well, what I'm saying is, if I'm on my route that day, I work that route five days a week, and I know that this person moved five years ago, and therefore I send it back to sender. But if my if if it's my day off when it comes through, and the substitute is there, they're going to shove it in the mailbox. And you know, there's thousands upon thousands of mail routes, and thousands of people that are off that day. There's what thousands. happens if they my, put my it point in the mailbox? Is, what happens fraudulently if they, if who they knows? put it in the mailbox? That's the point. My, well, nobody knows. All I'm so saying like, what, is... Okay, so then what, what conclusion are you drawing? I'm, what I'm drawing is, if the fact that the voter rolls are that out of date, that's a problem. Every time you move, if you move out, even if you move, uh, move across town half the time, you have, have crossed voting districts. And if you crossed voting districts, then your voter registration should be updated. But that doesn't happen. And here in my home state of Pennsylvania, every time one party decides that they want to clean up the voter rolls, the other party says that it's a purge and it's it's voter suppression because you want to take dead people off the roll. Why would anybody object to cleaning the voter rolls unless there's fraud? What, why? Well, the, the why Heritage Foundation. Are you, are you familiar with them? Yeah. Okay. They're they're. I mean, they're they're a conservative think tank, and they. I mean, if you can you can go to their website right now, and they have tracked, they have documented and tracked every instance of voter fraud in U.S. presidential election elections since the election of Ronald Reagan in 1980. Okay, they've, they've got where it happened and what the cause was, or rather what the, uh, you know, the, the, the type of malfeasance and all of that. And the total right now, 40 years of elections, it's about 1,600 over, you know, I mean, there was billions of votes cast. So what's what's 1,600 in 1 billion? I mean, it's astronomical, all right? That's, that's like All I'm saying is, if you want me to trust the elections, me personally, you want me to trust the elections... Clean the voter rolls. Get the voter rolls clean. Keep them clean. And I will much better trust the counts at the end. The fact that one party is completely against cleaning the voter rolls makes me suspicious. Can I prove anything? Absolutely not. Do I have the time to investigate and see whether or not it's worth proving? No. Am I concerned enough that I swore an oath and put on a badge and go down to the vote, the polling station every election day just to be there? Yeah. I took well, my you know, I mean, job as a constable. Yeah. A constable in the state of Pennsylvania is responsible for maintaining peace and order at the polling stations. I put on a uniform and a bulletproof vest and a gun and a badge 
and spend every election day polling between five polling locations to make sure that there's peace and order. But that's all I personally can do. Do I think that there's massive amounts of voting fraud? I don't know. Would I feel better if 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 the uh, county elections office was allowed to clear their voting records? Yes. I know how many bad addresses and bad names they have on the rolls. And that concerns me. Is that proof of fraud? No. Is it suspicious? Yes. Right, but you can draw lines of conjecture. And, I mean, we're talking about conjecture right now on a grand level to think that there was massive widespread voting fraud and that somehow all of the fraudulent votes somehow cast only one person. Oh, no, okay. It's just this huge... This is this is entirely conjecture. You're right. But final thought, because I gotta let you go, the show's almost over. Yeah. Final thought is you have to admit that it's a little suspicious that the guy that went out and got twenty, thirty, fifty thousand people at every rally he went to lost to a guy who never left his basement and got a hundred cars at a rally. It's not proof. No, that's more but it's a little suspicious. Right, but it's suspicious. Well, I'm not saying it's proof of anything, but it's suspicious. Yeah, well, would you agree with that? Putting additives into my Big Macs is suspicious. You know, I mean, that, that you're right, going you're right. on a tangent. But it should be enough to make people curious about it. Thank you very much for your call. Thank you for listening. I hope you come back next week. I really do. It is the end of the show. Thank you all for listening. If you're listening live on Republic Broadcasting Network, please stay tuned for Edge of Darkness with Jeffrey Bennett. Thank you to my guests for joining me tonight. Thank you to Mike, the producer. I cannot do this show without you. Thank you, the listeners and callers. You're why we do this show. Until next week, protect your liberties. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. We must take America. Mike Lindell did it again with MyStore.com. MyStore.com is where you can go to find American-made products from American companies started by American entrepreneurs. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyStore.com to support Mike Lindell, American entrepreneurs, and this program. That code again is LIGHTHOUSE at MyStore.com.